Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Everybody Relax, facilitated by your boy, licensed clinical social worker and therapist, Trey. Back for another episode of More Than My Credentials series, and I have one of my good friends on here this time. Uh, we're going to do some more talking and exploring around this More Than My Credentials. I have Christian Howard from out in D.C., LPC, and also Cy D. She's working on her doctorate as well, and so got Christian on the line for us today. How are you, ma'am? What's going on? I am great. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What I had to add, I'm going making my rounds. I got hip. I did hip last week, ah, working okay. on Rashawn. And okay. then now I had to get you. So I'm going back, circling back to my people, you know. Um, Dr. Vivid, so. Yeah, I did Dr. Vivid as well. So it's, I had to start my people. It's always easier to do this type of interview stuff with my people. So, you know, that's what it is. But Kristen, tell the people who you are, where you're from and what you do. Okay, so I am a licensed professional counselor. I have a private practice. I do it part-time. It's gracefully fulfilled counseling and coaching services um, where right now my clientele is really a lot of like, um, it, it ranged from like, I, my youngest is 12 all the way up to about 50 years old. Okay. Um, and it, I see a very diverse set of clients from all different backgrounds, ethnicities, religions, everything. And so I'm really proud of that. But that is only part time. Um, majority of my time has been spent doing like program director, um, program uh, project management. Um, I, I have contracts with the government right now, uh, the local government here in DC where um, I work on different special projects. Um, it was really great because, not to toot my own horn, but I'm a toot a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really great because I didn't know what I was getting into when I came into this uh, therapy practice. It kind of just happened. But when I was getting my master's, my professor who was um, uh, Dr. Uh, Johnson, she literally said like, don't think, of th don't think of this degree as you're just gonna be sitting on a couch doing therapy. I was like, I was like, huh? I'm like, but that's what I want to do. She's like, no. she's like, be open and expand your horizons. And so I went with that and I've been able to just work on different projects throughout my life in the nonprofit sector. And um, it led me to this, this uh, project that I'm on now where the executive director at the Department of Human Services actually brought me on. And um, so I'm a mayor appointee um uh doing uh, special assistant doing just like special ad hoc, ad hoc projects with the government at the department of human services amazing absolutely well you on a perfect podcast to explain all of that and how we can get past these credentials and stuff like that and your, your professor dr johnson was right we can do more than just sit on the couch and do things so you have a little bit of a different trajectory and get into this field um, in reference to what I remember you having the conversation about. Um, you talked about you went through the army and then you came out and this, that, and the third. So tell people about your journey into this path of counseling. How did you how did you get there? Okay. So originally, and my whole family will let you know, some of my family members are mad at me, but <laughs> originally I wanted to be a medical doctor, um, obstetrician, gynecologist. Um, I actually wanted to do some um, uh, care and cancer because I was like five and my aunt passed away from cancer. And um, I told my other aunt, which was her sister, I said, don't worry, I'm going to cure cancer for you. Yeah. <laughs> she reminds me of that all the time. But when I turned 17, um, I was dating this guy and he was murdered in my hometown. Mm -hmm. 
he was murdered by his own like homeboys. And for me, that sent me into having like post-traumatic stress disorder and I had to go off to college. It was literally right after I graduated. Um, I mean, right after prom, two weeks after prom and two weeks before I graduated high school. And so when I went into college, I'm like, no, no, no. Like I got to understand people and I need to understand myself. So I went into psychology and I really loved it. Um, after I left my bachelor's program, I did join the military. Um, it was right after kind of like the 08 recession. I graduated in 2010. And so I was still trying to figure it out. No one in my family could kind of tell me my path or where I was going or walk me through anything. Nobody was like a, a therapist. Nobody was in psychology. I either had a physician assistant, a real estate agent, or a psychiatric technician. And so, um, and so I went into the military did that for a little bit, but then I really wanted to, I still stayed the course. I really wanted to be a medical doctor. I'm like, nope, I'm going back. I'm not going to do psychiatry because I don't like medication. That's not my thing, but I'm going to be in the medical field. And so I kept going back, but like, it was just the universe telling me like, nope, we, this is not what we want you to do. Finances was just not adding up. And so I went and got my master's and um, actually I started in California and it was for licensed marriage family therapists. Okay. Um, okay. because in California that's what they kind of that is the the stronger license out there is the LMFT and then oh, on really? the coast mm -hmm, and on the east coast is LPCs um which they have like literally the same curriculum right. um and so I started there but I finished in DC because I moved here for my ex-husband um and doing that like I I really loved it I I started working in um and residential homes. I was working with like disadvantaged boys. I worked at a post-adopt uh, place in Laverne, California. It was called the Lee Ray Haynes Center. And it had like a lot of individuals, like rich families who adopted these children. But you know, when it comes with adoption and foster care, sometimes families don't, can't really um, uh, take care of those children because they come with their own set you know, issues, I don't want to say issues, but set of concerns and those families needed some extra support to really like navigate and um, take care of those and nurture those children. And so we helped them, but it was also an autism, uh, autistic center for children who had um, autism or dealing, or dealing with autism. And we had like the lights, the environment. I know the Real Housewife of Orange County donated like this nice, like light structure on our facility. Mm -hmm. We had a school there that was for autistic. So I learned a lot like while I was there. Um, and then I transitioned here to DC where I really got into like the homeless sector. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's when I like just took off. I was like a case manager in a community doing homeless um, with permanent supportive housing clients and working with them and how to navigate the system. And then from there, I went from like being, uh, I, I was actually like um, advocating for us to get more grant money for like a, um, a um, mentorship program at the agency I was at. And the lady actually said like, you know, cause it was kind of like a Rockefeller family. And the lady was like, we really don't want it. We really only give money to things that have like a medical piece to it. She's like, but you know your stuff and I really want to get you the money. So yeah. figure out how you can add medical to it. And so from there, I just was like, oh, I could do grant writing. I could do this, yeah. do that. Um, and then I started working as a program director at a team mom program. Mm -hmm. I did that for three years. Did really, really well. Like, again, I'm a to my own horn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really well I took the program from it was ranked when I got there it was ranking number 50 in HUD funding 
when I left, but before I left, um, it, I went up to, I want to say in the first like eight to 10 months, it went up to ranking number 15. Wow. And then, like in two years, we, we ranked number one. And so when I left, it was number one in HUD funding. Wow. So I was just really able to kind of navigate those contracts, really understand the deliverables, uh, implement programming so we can hit those deliverables um, and work with my staff to do really well there. Um, and then simultaneously, I worked at a downtown day service center, would help it, which was helping like older homeless individuals. And we provided case management and then we did really well there too. And it honestly was my team. We worked really well together as a team to really get them housed, to navigate, get them like document ready, um, doing life skills and help them with like substance use and all of that. Um, and then that's when I met the executive director for the Department of Human Services. And um, I applied for a position and she was just like, I want to bring you on in this way. And so she brought me on and I've been there with them for two years now. Um, I had a federal contract with um, the federal government providing counseling service at the Navy, but then they wanted me to stop. So, but they wanted me to stop because they felt like it was double dipping. So, yeah. Oh, okay. 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 I got you. Yeah. I got you. Like, wow. 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 Okay. So I, I've I, I think I don't I had a small glimpse when we first met right at BYOB where you gave this that 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 actual story and pieces of it and then coming off the um, team on where you was scaling that project and doing well with that. So I remember that, but I, I don't remember the comment if you went in depth about in that much depth as far as like the journey that yeah. you started from. Where you, you wanted to be a medical doctor, then that switch, you had a traumatic uh, situation that happened, and then it switched to counseling, then you go to the army, then you just fall into this role in DC, and you do all these amazing things. Um, and so, what do you feel like like prepared you, I, I, I would say, for that program management position? Because prior to that, you didn't have no, you just had the homeless case management position. What do you think was the driving factor that made you number one, that made you give those positive um project uh deliverable stuff like that meet those needs what was what would you think that happened honestly it was really my passion to work with those young moms like i came yeah. from a teen mom um well i don't know well you can still say she was teen because in quarter according to the laws like 18 to 24 you're still a teen um and so my mom had me when she was 20 years old and this was honestly it was our dream and it still is our dream we said we're still gonna do it um, that we wanted to run a team mom program. My mom did absolutely amazing with raising me and allowing me to navigate the world the way that I do. I I didn't come, like, I know there's a lot of stories like, you know, Black women and Black mothers and their daughters, they always have this, like, like crazy relationship and it's a strange stuff. Like, I didn't have that. My mom showed me great affection. I mean, she kissed me every day. We still lay in the bed together. I call her every day. She texts me every morning. Some days I'm like, if I don't hear from her, I'm calling her. Like, where you yeah, at? Yeah. So like, I've always just had this great relationship with my mom and I'm the only child. And she really allowed me to like navigate my own world. So I feel like life, my the way she raised me kind of prepared me for the journey that I've been on because I, I wasn't that, I wasn't that child that like, couldn't do this or was scared to ask parents for that. Like I literally went to her everything and said everything. And like, some people probably think that we have a, you know, a weird relationship because I tell my mother everything. Mm -hmm. um, but she is like, she's my best friend and I wouldn't change it for the world. And honestly, that's what I provided for my young mothers there. It's just like, mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm not like, I know we have rules to follow. I know that life has rules to follow, but listen, if you, if you communicate with me, explain to me your needs and what you want to do, even if it's going out, like I told them, I told them all the time, like, I'm not here to say, don't go out. No, go out to that club, put your best outfit on, but we want to get the work done first. So then Friday, you can be prepared to go out to the club and lay it, you know, get, get busy, do your thing. Cause my yeah. girls love to twerk. So, right. <laughs> you know, um, and they did. And they, and honestly, a lot of them still to this day, all of them are successful in their own way. You got girls who they're still housed. They still are holding down their apartments. They have you know, kids. They're, doing, they're running their businesses. They graduated from school. Like they're doing amazing. And it was just because they needed that, that tender loving care. Right. And you know what? That's amazing. You say that because as you was going through it all and reeling through that, I was thinking like, this is pretty much, you know, what makes us more than our credentials because you're not taught that. You're not taught that empathy, love, and compassion, peace that comes from those relationships that have been positive in your life. You're not taught that. Mm-hmm. That's something that we can't get from a textbook or a clinical exam. This separates us from, you know, folks who just get in and just want to help. We do this for the love and we would do this without the credentials. This would be what we would do regardless of all these degrees and stuff like that. So I think that's a wonderful example of why you're on this episode with me, of course, you know what I'm saying, um, among other things. But that's a wonderful example of something just as simple as showing love and compassion that you felt, you know, and that you received and extending that as well to those who may, that's all they needed and wanted to get that extra push over. So Mm -hmm. let me ask you this now. Um, Well, let me backtrack because we first met, um, at BYOB, Hip said it was 18. I thought it was 17, 2017. No, it, was 18. it was 18, yeah. Am I mixing my years up? Because I really feel like that was 2017 for some reason. Um, no, it was it was May 2018. And the only reason why I remember because I was I was going through a situation then. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. <laughs> so, I, so, 2018 was tumultuous for me, though, because I lost both my grandmas. And so I, I, I must have put BYOB past it now because it only could think about those those situations um so i was telling hip you know i was like when i first got on this panel with you guys with ryan shout out to ryan um mm-hmm. we you know i didn't know what to expect and i just knew that i seen you sean uh and hip and was like these are amazing people <laughs> they do amazing work i haven't accomplished any of any stuff that they have at, at this point and you know so let me make sure I, when I get the mic gets down to me, I'm going to make sure I show off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, but I was just like humbled because what I, what I, what I love to do is like be in the presence of folks who are just as passionate and have the work ethic as me. Because sometimes I feel like I'm alone in that. You know, like, am I the only one who really cares this much about certain things or this certain topics? Am I the only one that's working three, four different things at a time throughout the day. And then I, you know, I, I met you and I talked, you talked about your journey, talked about hip, you know, hip is, he got bah, 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 every single thing. And then Rashawn, you know, so I'm like, oh man, this is a wonderful time and an experience to be around some like-minded people that, you know, are at a higher level than, than I am, but we still connect and fit. How was your experience when we first met and did that actual panel? I mean, I, I know I enjoyed it. How about you? Oh no, I thoroughly enjoyed it because one, I was the only woman with yeah, these. Like, you was. <laughs> men. 
these amazing men who are doing all this stuff. And I'm sure like everyone wants to hear from them because, you know, mental health was kind of like the buzzword and wellness and like, especially for men. And so I'm like, okay, how are we going to work it out? And the same way you felt like, because at the time, I think I had failed my my exam the first time. Matter of fact, I failed twice. Um, And so I failed, I think the first time at that time, it's like, dang, I just, you know, I graduated, I failed. And I felt it by six points. And so I was like, how am I going to be on stage with these people? You got Dr. Hip, who's like this extraordinary. And you got Rashawn, who's really like big and, you know. And so I'm like, and then I got you, I got Gary, like who's literally like in Virginia doing his thing and I'm married and all of this. I'm right. like, I'm going to do a divorce and what is going to happen? But no, I, I thought it was absolutely amazing. And I felt at home, like I have a lot of uncles, a lot of brothers, so like, it was com- I was comfortable up there with you guys. Um, I remember talking to him before. He's like, you better turn it on. Because I was like, I'm a little nervous. Like, my hands are sh- sweaty. He's like, turn that on right now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the coach, man. He's the coach. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It, it was a beautiful experience. Like, I truly enjoyed it. Like you said, I was going through, the like, probably one of the most stressful times of my life um, right. at that time. But... It was just amazing to like still be able to get love from my peers and know that I'm walking in the right path. I mean, I don't know about you, like you or anyone else, but like my family, um, they don't, they don't, you know, take pride in me being a therapist. They're like, Mm -hmm. okay, you should have been a doctor. And I'm just like, you know what, but I'm doing a great job and I'm creating my own path and um, we're here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, even though you had those things going on, right? I couldn't tell. Like we we never could tell because like you was bringing that that energy and that and that um, expertise and and just being your authentic self, and it resonated so much as you can see throughout the actual panel. But with us, but then also with the crowd as well. Mm-hmm. I told him I was like I still think that was the best panel that they had the whole entire day, um, the um, weekend. You know what I'm saying? Even though we you know we didn't have the I guess the the biggest marketing piece of it, but I think it was the best one. Um, and anytime that uh, it's like Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and them, like anytime that all of us fit, you 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 find people and they fit together seamlessly, like as if we knew each other for years, mm-hmm. and we just met. That makes for a whole different different type of dialogue and conversation, man. It could it should have been longer. We should have had it came to the second year. Yeah, you know. But whatever, man. I, you know, <laughs> no, no. And I was at the second one, and it, and they didn't have a panel as great as ours. <laughs> Absolutely. Why, how could they? How could they? You know, uh, it, it was more so in the mental wellness. They they pulled the mental health piece out of it. You know, right, so, right. Um, you know, is what it is. So that was an amazing experience. Of course, um, I enjoyed that time, man. Um, so let me ask you this: What if it wasn't for counseling and therapy and being an LPC? And also um, with the, with the doctor piece, what would you be doing if it wasn't for this? Um, you know, I I like to say that like you know if if my first fiance was still alive, I probably would just be an OBGYN, having like seven kids right now, mm-hmm. um, doing a whole bunch of research. Um, but but honestly. I think I would still do this. Like, I don't know. I don't see another life. Like, I think that I would still be in the same field still. Cause like, yes, I do therapy and, but I talk about like the holistic self. Right. So I think, and I'm really big on um, like marginalized individuals, especially like our black communities. And so 
when I talk about investments and like uh, and, and buying property and like being in crypto and the stock markets and things like that, like I've been doing that since I was 19 years old. And so I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I really, everything I talk about, I walk, I do it first. Like when me going into the military, honestly, I didn't go because like I wanted to be there and like go overseas and no. Yeah. Even when I told my grandfather, my grandfather was like, Christian, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? I said, honestly, I want to be able to give the young men that I grew up with. I actually heard this from Steve Harvey one day when he was doing his radio station in LA. He's like, if all the gang members would just go join the military, at least they'll leave like life insurance and this and that for their families and they can go shoot and get paid for it over there. And so for me, it was like, well, I'm going to join first, lead by example. So then when I, I go and teach these young, you know, disadvantaged, underserved individuals, however you want to, you know, label them. And I hate those labels. But when right. I go talk to them, I can let them know that this is an outlet in my experience with it. So like everything I do, I, I try to do it first. Everything I talk about, I try to do it first. So yeah, to get that, to get that going, which yeah. lead me to my next question about that is about this financial piece, because you talk about financial wealth a lot. Mm -hmm. um, on your posts and then um, and we never had a good chance to have a conversation around that in person um, but we talk about it you know here and there about it on social media mm -hmm. what got you into investing and in, and in, in moving through this space because you out here booming I need to, I need some tips you know what I'm saying like I dabbled in it but like I can never commit because like you know I could I got so much other stuff going on I can't never sit with it to study it um and then I, you know, I was in it a couple of times in grad school, but I had to pull out because of, you know, um, finances and, you know, grad school trying to matriculate through that. But yeah, what's got you started in, in investing in stock and financial wealth? Because I feel like that's another lane too that you can mm -hmm. maneuver in, in teaching. So, um, so I come from a, a, I like to tell people that I come from an affluent family on my mother's side. And so my uncle is a real estate broker um, and he does a lot of, he flips a lot of homes in LA. And when, when I was going through college, he always told me like your credit, your credit, your credit. And so I've always been like big about like my credit. I can't do everything. I can't do anything without it. And so my senior year of college, I took a real estate class. Um, at Clark Atlanta University, they had a real estate class where you can like, you know, learn to get your real estate license. And I was a waitress at Ruby Tuesdays um, in Latonia, Georgia. And I had met this guy um, who's my mentor right now. And I met this guy and I was like serving him. He was an older man. And he was, I was just I'm like, yeah, I'm into real estate. He's like, well, I can teach you commercial real estate if you want to learn. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm always going to learn. Like Clark Atlanta turned me your net, your network your network is your net worth. So I'm like, I'm about to meet everybody. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, teach me. And so one day, you know, I went to his home and he showed me his E-Trade account. And he's like, this is what, you know, our counterparts do to get wealth. And, and this is how they become rich and they leave wealth for their family. So you need to learn this. And since then, I said, well, how much do I need to put in? And he said, whatever you can. Do you got 500 right now? I said, you know what? I'm about to get this student loan check at the, you know, in a couple of weeks, I got you. So I, I did that and we, he showed me what stocks and I just held on. And then I just started learning for myself. He gave me a book because he was like, I'm not going to, he's like, you know, I'm going to teach you how to fish. I'm not going to give you the fish, but I'm going to teach you how to fish. Yeah. And so he gave me a book to read. 
Um, it's called 24 Essentials of in 24 Lessons of Investing by like a guy named William something. Um, and I read that book. And then I just started like Googling. I, was, I would Google Warren Buffett. I would talk to him every day about it. And then I just continued to put money in like, and I was just putting like $80, honestly. I was putting like $80 like every two weeks or maybe even if I couldn't do the $80 every two weeks, I was doing like, you know, maybe two to 300 whenever I got like a lump sum. Um, and then I do long code. So I'm not like those big other ones who do like option trading and swing trading just yet. I mean, I, I am studying it and yeah. I do a little dabbling in option trading, but for me, it's been like long code trading. So dividend stocks, those real credible longevity stocks. Um, and I just hold them because like you said, I, I have a lot going on. I can't sit and watch the stock market all day, every day. So I just like something that I can just put it there, sit it there, and then it's going to grow over time. Um, and that's what I've been doing. And yeah. that's kind of really what got me into it. And I, I literally live by it because when I got married, I put out money to make some payments, you know, um, it's been helping me. It's been my saving grace. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. And so, ah, man, see, that, that, now we can have a whole episode about that <laughs> thing right there because, um, you know, I, I follow a lot of podcasts and, and folks, uh, Earn Your Leisure podcast, stuff like that, and just getting hip to how they, you know, they do investments and was listening to them. And, you know, I, I you know, I seen the return the what could happen if you do put your money in, let it sit for some time. And um, me and my cousin was at VCU one time, man. And we, we took, a, I think, an accounting class, man. This guy, man, the teacher, professor, he was just like sharp as a tack, man. And he was just so calm and cool. Collected. He had he talked to us about stock portfolios and how he's investing in all these different things and checking his balance and stuff like that. And it's like, it's hard for us sometimes, I think, to conceptualize the thought of putting something in and not seeing an instant return, mm -hmm. right? Because we so like, all right, if I do this, I should get it back right now. And it's like, well, now nah, you've got at least whole five, 10, you know what I'm saying? To at least yes. see the returns of it. And so are you committed to that? Um, but it brings me up to a conversation that I've been dying to have. And that's, I'm pretty sure you heard about this a lot in our, in, in the Twitter streets, social media streets, where, you know, we have two sides of the coin. We have the folks that say like black capitalists, you know, how are we getting rich or trying to get rich and attain wealth, that situation is is not the, the right way to do so. We would never be, you know, can make this wealth attainable in the capitalist nation that we live today. But then we have other folks that like, well, I need to invest in my future and prepare for my family. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And and this is how I'm going to make money. This is why, how I'm going to do it, invest into the stock market. What are your thoughts around that? Like, have you been called a black capitalist or have you, um, how you feel about that? What's, what's your thoughts about that? So I've never been called a black capitalist, but I will, I do, <clears throat> I talk to my friends a lot about this. And um, I mean, this is my conversation all day, every day. I'll say this. I hear all of that. I get it. I get how we want to feel about things. But when you want to play a game and when you're playing basketball or football or whatever, you got to play by the rules, Right. Like you got to get in that game. You got to learn how to play. You got to learn the plays, whatever. And you got to get in there and play. If you don't want to, if you want to sit on the sidelines and just be, you know, a watcher or whatever, a spectator, you can do that. But if you really want to get in and play, you're going to get in there and you're going to learn how, to, how capitalism works. And so for me, yeah, do I like it? Do I think it exploited our people, all of that? Of course, I'm very aware of all of that, but it hasn't changed. 
Mm. It's not going to change. And so mm. for me, it's like, do we want to sit here and keep saying how we live in poverty and how our family's this and our family's struggling? Because what we know about mental health, what we know about health in general, wellness is that food, resources, where, where we live, all impacts those things, what that's the social uh, determinants of health, right? Mm-hmm. And in order for me to get past that, in order for me, for my family to not, you know, be impacted, be the ones extremely impacted by COVID or extremely impacted by whatever else, then yeah, I need to play in this capitalistic market and make sure that I can provide for my family. And, and I think that's what, what you got to do. Like, yes, you you be aware and be have some integrity and morals to know like you won't exploit people. Like, yeah, do I think some of these, I'll be honest, do I think some of these work, workshops and trainings that people are doing are a bunch of bullshit? Yeah, I do. I think you can go Google, pull up E-Trade and learn it yourself instead of paying all of that money. I do. Do I think some of these conferences that we're having, is it explaining our people? Yeah, I do. Some of it I do. But then I also think that like somebody can be helpful because we all learn differently. Like I can pull up Google and read a book or just have a conversation with someone where someone else is like, I need to be in a classroom. I need to be around people 24 seven to get it. And so you got to choose your poison. Um, But if you're going to, I'm sorry, if you're going to buy Nikes and if you're going to buy Jordans and if you're going to buy Apple phones and all that, then own some Apple stock, own Nike. Nike has a stock a ticker too you can own that stuff and make money off of it because I, I look at it as like if i'm gonna buy some nike shoes and i own the nike stock i'm just putting some money back into my pocket mm, okay yeah that's that's and, true you know, I'm, I'm apple we all got apple products we all got apple phones whatever i'm just putting microsoft we all got like i'm just putting money back into my pocket every time i buy get on here do some work whatever um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like at some point we got to get out of our own way because mm-hmm. we live in a capitalist society. If you want to go live somewhere else off the grid, then go for it. Yeah. <laughs> but right now in America, what we live in, it's, it's, it's off of capitalism. And if we don't see that now during this pandemic, you got the, the what infection rates are going back up. You got Delta variant that's out. You got all of this stuff that's out. And they still saying like, go back to school, go back to work. You know, mm-hmm. things are open because they need that money. It's a capitalistic society. They don't really care about your health. So you need to care about both. Mm. This is exactly why I wanted to talk to you about that. Because I know how passionate you are about that. That's some good stuff right there, man. I mean, it makes sense. And I think that's the dynamic that we're dealing with, where we struggle with, you know, understanding how capitalism has destroyed us and destroyed our communities. But at the same time, we still have to live and exist within it. Um, and I struggle with that thought pattern because, you know, wanting to help people, wanting to get people, you know, the proper treatment and the help that they need. But understanding that the environment that they are in, that it, I can't change that unless I do it the macro side or running politics. But at the same time, I can only do so much about in that aspect, too, because, you know, everything is, is connected and all goes back to money. Yep. You know, it all circles back, whether it's us doing this right here on zoom and apple whether it's us doing you know getting our licensure and playing how much money for licensure and ceus it all comes back to money at some point and so how do we control that narrative and control that dollar piece of it you know so i get it i understand the investment piece of it and then you also i think you say you're in real estate you're doing some commercial properties and stuff like that so you know 
you got it laid out. Is this something, do you see yourself doing this long term? Like you still, well, you did say you still see yourself doing counseling and you want to do the working for, um, work with teen moms long term and stuff like that. Do you see yourself transitioning or pivoting a little bit more into the investment in real estate space at some point? Oh yeah, like I, I'm definitely transitioning now. Um, <laughs> if I had it my way, I would probably just do a whole buy a whole bunch of property, rent them out, turn them into some, you know, some some type of programs um, for our people and run them myself. Because uh, I don't like the middleman all the time, which the right. middleman to me is is kind of government. You know, the person who exploits us sometimes. But I get like. In order for me to really be successful and go through it, I need them contracts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you got to play the game. You just got to pick your poison, I really think. Like, I I want better for our communities, for all, of, like, every community, everywhere I go. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I go to, like, Pahood. I travel to Chicago. I've traveled to D.C., Baltimore, like, New York, wherever. I'm always like, okay, take me to where, you know, our underserved population is, because I really want to know what they are going through. I want to know their lingo, their language, their culture, so I can figure out how do we help them be better. And it's not saying like, what, what you have is bad, because I honestly, I think that like, majority of our people living in those spaces who've done, you know, whatever we want to call them, they're the best business people. They know how to sell yeah. product. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they know the people in their community, they know how to network, like, they have the tools. It's just like, how do we give you the tools legally and in a way that you can have it more sustainable? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because they, they already have all of that business marketing aspect, networking, all of that. They, it's, it's tried and true. It's tried and true already. You know what I'm saying? So now nah, I, I, I love that. And, and you, I, I didn't realize that when you're traveling, you're also still working and Oh yeah. Uh, understanding and learning in different spaces and stuff like that. That's 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 dope. That's dope. Yeah. I love learning. I will go get every degree if I can afford it. Tell Biden to write them them student loans off and I'll go get it. A JD, a MD. Uh, right. <laughs> if you wipe some of them out, I might think about going back. But you know what I'm saying? I just want them wiped off as exactly. <laughs> um, all right, that's that's what's up then. I I, I enjoyed that conversation with that piece because I I really wanted to ask you about that because I know how how much you into it and you post about it all the time. And I'm like, yo, this we here, we here for sure. Now, what what are you? I know you like to travel, you know, like music stuff like that. So I'm gonna do some quick hitter type stuff. Yeah. Um, top five rap artists for you. Wait, rap artists? Rappers, top five rap. Jay Z is definitely number one. Kendrick Lamar. Okay. Um. I'm gonna go with Nas. Nas is a good one. Um, ooh, I'm gonna be honest. I don't listen to everybody. <laughs> I listen to them people. Drake is gonna be up there, but although I think he more so R&B than rap sometimes. <laughs> um, Lil Wayne, I'm gonna put him at there where he was back in the day, you know, cause the Carter was literally my favorite album still to this day. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna just say little baby, but I love little baby who he is. I just don't listen to all of the music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Jay Z and Kendrick Lamar, hands down. I'm surprised you don't got Nipsey up there. Okay, I love Nipsey, and I think his last album was absolutely amazing. I got on the bandwagon at the end. I'm right. being honest with you. Um, I love what Nipsey stands for, of course. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Okay. 
I got you. I got you. But so you do, do you do more rap or do you more to do more R&B? What? Because I see you blend between both sometimes. Okay. So I'm just kind of low key. I'm at pretty girls like trap music. T.I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in there too. But yes, I'm a, I'm a, um, I like rap music. Like it depends. Like some days I'm going to be on my jazz and meditation, right. but give me some, give me some Jay-Z and Beyonce. I'm listening to that every day. Yeah. Okay. 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 And I forgot you went to Clark Atlanta, so you got the Southern roots too. You 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 been all over the place. You got a mixture of everything. West Side, DC. You know what I'm saying. I saw you was getting into the go go a little bit more. The go go now. Oh my god. <laughs> I love it. I miss that culture. I'm so mad. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it's even down here in, in Central Virginia. Like you know what I'm saying. It comes. And you know sometimes they don't put us. In the DMV narrative, because right. Central Virginia, Richmond, but you know, Gogo -Go comes down here and it like it's right. That that's that's part of us. That's part of us. Wow, Gogo -Go is really fun. I went to like my first like real Gogo -Go with like an older band with older people. When I tell y'all, when they keep talking about us young folks doing the twerking and stuff, I'm like, no, Gogo -Go made twerking. <laughs> <laughs> That I was in there like, no way. I was so surprised. And it was like, these, these were 50 and up individuals. Oh, yeah. And they was getting, like, throwing it back. And I'm just like, oh, this is culture. And I was with an older person. And he just was like, this culture, baby, this go-go. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, my God. That's it. That's it, man. Like, you know, I come on down here in the country, um, in, the, in, the, in the, the cookouts in the back. Oh, yeah. You know, we ain't got number a couple spotlights. That's it, and, the, and they just jamming, doing everything. But you know, that's what I grew up on is the oldest, the older go-go. Because -Go, my dad, man, he was big into like Chuck and Trouble Funk and EU and all that stuff like that. So I had like I, again, I keep telling people, my dad made me listen or watch his stuff first mm -hmm. before I could even, you know, pick my favorite artist. So. <laughs> I'm an old head at heart. I got I had the, the honor to see Chuck Brown perform um in person before he passed um in a smaller venue. That was an amazing experience. You talk about old heads going 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 crazy. <laughs> yeah, they they party just as hard as us. Like I said, we get all that from them, man. Yeah, okay. you know that. You know that. You know that. <laughs> um so I know you travel a lot as well, which I, I definitely want to get back into traveling myself once this COVID situation is over. I miss Cali so much. I went out to Cali. I about fell in love with Cali. Um, I don't know if I could stay there permanently, but I could be there a lot of times throughout the year. That's just how I feel about Cali. Mm -hmm. um, what are your top five favorite, favorite um, places to go? Ooh, right now, Brazil is still number one. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. Brazil is a whole nother vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Brazil, Dubai was great. Iceland was hands down amazing. Like I heard Iceland was amazing. Oh, my God. And they love our music. And I'm sitting here like, well, how did y'all get this? Because I don't I don't hear it on the radio stations. Yeah. They're like, YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> but they love, love, love our music. Iceland was amazing. Brazil, Dubai. Um, I'm a Caribbean girl at heart. I really do think I'm from the islands. All I know is that we we Creole. That's the furthest I know back. But like the islands are my thing. So like I've hit probably every like lower and upper Antilles. I just need to go to Barbados and Trinidad for sure. But um, 
the islands are like my favorite. Martinique was fun. Trying to think of any place else. I'm, I'm supposed to do Tanzania at the end of this year, so I'm hoping for that. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, Brazil. Brazil is it? Oh my god, Brazil was <laughs> just like I think it was the people, the culture. They're so fluid. Like, I mean, at least my experience was very fluid. They really didn't care about like the gender roles and all of that. It was just like we love it here. We're happy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was scary because, you know, there is, like, crime and all of that still going on. Um, we saw some really bad incidents happen, but it was just all around such a great vibe. Mm, Brazil, okay. And Dubai, too. And I hate to say Dubai because I feel like that's such cliche right now. But Dubai, for me, was, like, well, they was really calling me and my ex-husband, Michelle and Barack Obama. So <laughs> it, I felt very royal there. But, like, I had such a great time in Dubai. yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely want Dubai is on the list. Um, Brazil, of course, but Dubai just looks like just wealth. <laughs> it looks like wealth <laughs> out there. So, um, yeah, I think those are amazing places to go. Like you've been you've been everywhere, man. That's that's what's up, though. But again, like, you know, you, you work hard, play hard, you know, invest in, you know, and, and take care of your, your stuff. And like you, that, that leads way to having those experiences and um getting there so i i do think that's that makes sense right it, it works so um yeah wow okay you had a whole list i i said five she said, gave me 10 <laughs> 10 12. I'm like, I'm like thinking of more places but i'm like i'm not it's not coming to me but i have a friend who literally been to way more like the end of this year is gonna be his 50th country oh yeah yeah wow. Wow. He inspires me. I'm like, I wish I can travel more like you. But he, yeah, he he hit it hit a lot. Yeah. Costa Rica okay. was really good too. Costa Rica is a good one. Got you. So look, listen, anybody's listening to this episode, man. Look, y'all can get a wealth of knowledge. We barely even talked about counseling. And she and Chris is a whole LPC and pre-doc. Well, all of this is about counseling, right? Like, um, like again, I don't. I always tell people, I don't do this stuff to flex on anybody at all. Traveling really is my my self-care. Like, right. at one point, I had to tell myself, like, you have to go somewhere every three months. Every quarter, you need to be somewhere because I do work hard. I want to help people. I am that person that's like, I don't want to say I, I'm big on burnout because I really never experienced burnout into the pandemic. But um, I want to give so much and I do give so much of me that, like, traveling is where I get to, like, give back to myself. And okay. that's learning those cultures and being in that environment really helps me uh, recharge. Absolutely. Yeah, one of those things, I think one of my friends said the same thing, like traveling for him is his time to self, you know, do self-care, but also recharge, get back to the swing of things. And he just bounces around all across the states or whatever, at least probably more than once a quarter. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but yeah, I, I do, I do get with that. I do get with that. I want to do more of that myself. Um, just, just getting in a mixture, mixture of that for sure. So, um, coming to the end real quick um, as we close out. This has been an amazing episode, of course, and just just full of gems. Uh, hopefully that it can inspire a lot of more, a lot more people in regards to this space of like we don't just have to do nothing but clinical work. We can do every anything and everything in between. And so you know, even though you probably you've, you've packaged it all together well in this episode, but. What makes you more than your, creden your credentials right now? <laughs> no, 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 it's good. 
good. Um, honestly, I think that like, you know, just being human, human, being human, understanding that like nobody's perfect. I don't have all the answers. I literally feed off of people like you all. I want to have conversations with everybody uh, to continue to learn. And um, and just understanding that therapy is more than just like sitting on a couch and talking about our feelings. I hate, hate, hate. Like it's my biggest like pet B, pet B when like, People are like, therapy, you know, going to a therapist, I just got to talk about my feelings. That's why I want to go to a coach. I want to do this. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I don't want to talk about your feelings. We can talk about whatever you want because everything, like for me, when we think about the DSM, it says anything that impacts your daily functioning. Right. And it's not just how you feel today. It's like, what happened to you? Because those external factors will tell you, will, will, will like, um, uh, be a catalyst for how you feel or whatever. Like, so no, I, I just, I think that, you know, what makes me more than my credential is just that like I'm human and I'm, and I understand and I've been through some things um, and I'm willing to learn with my clients and, and learn from my clients. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I subscribe to the same thing of just understanding that the, the mental health is just more than just like the feelings and the symptoms. It's like, how you interact or how you deal with on a, the daily stresses that you go with and go with mm-hmm. on an everyday basis. Those stresses can be anywhere in between, whether it's work, you know, school, flat tire, car payments, you know, all these different things affect our stress. And so, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I started my private practice and, and went to this clinical space is because I wanted to foster and create an environment that we can talk about anything. So, you know, Couple of couple of my, my sessions, we just finished talking about the locks and dips at battle. You know, and, and you know, talk about that. Like, you know, that was an error for us, right? And how it made us feel. And then it leads way to some therapeutic, you know, conversations or wherever that might be. But it unlocked that. We talk about basketball, we talk about football, we talk about everything because it all affects us. You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely subscribe to that um for sure. Um so but yeah, Christian, um, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, man. It's been a pleasure having you on discussing these things, man. Um, this is the part where I give people their flowers, of course, and I said I wanted to let you know that I appreciate everything you bring to the table as a black woman, but just as a, a actual amazing human being and individual, um, going up and beyond, you know, what is the standard, and then establishing and standing behind what you believe in and what you put forth put forth, forth out, and also challenging us. Not just women and like not just women, but challenging us women and men, everybody, to do more and to do better, and then also to give ourselves some grace and time to work through those things. And so you have inspired all of us. You're, you're a motivating factor. But I do remember the first time I met with you. I was like, man, that, that that's I want to do some stuff like that. I want to do more of that stuff. So um, your inspiration, your uh, motivational. And I uh, appreciate all the work that you are doing, you have done, you continue to do. And I, I hope that everything um, succeeds in the way that you want it to, because you are definitely an amazing example behind being more than our credentials and tapping into the fact that we don't have to be, you know, resonated to just these degrees and these licensures, that you can do more and you can do more outside of what they try to pigeonhole us into. Mm-hmm. So um, just thinking outside the box. And I love that. Um, about you as well you know so thank you thank you again for coming on we appreciate that um (laughs) anything you want to promote to other people where they can find you and where they can check out your stuff they want to have conversation with you check out the private practice go ahead this is your time 
All right. So I would just say, just follow me on Instagram and there's more to come. You can find everything from there. It's at Christian Lachanae and that's Christian, just like the religion. Lachanae is L-A-C-H-A-N-E-A. So Christian Lachanae, thank you guys. Thank you so much, Trey. Yeah, no problem, Christian. Appreciate you coming on. We didn't even get to the other story about the name Christian and Christian Dior, but we'll, we'll save it for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Hold on, bro.